Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Good evening, Rush Nation, and welcome back to the Five Yard Rush Daily Fantasy Sports Show. Your host, as always, Nick Owen, and the knoll to my Liam Gallagher, Mr. Mark Ferguson. How are we doing? <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm so flattered by that introduction. <laughs> After you, after you messaged me that, Mark, I could not yeah. leave it off the. I couldn't oh, leave no. it off the broadcast after that. I don't really want to be either of them, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> Won't mind having either of them's bank balance, though. To be yeah, fair, yeah, that'd be okay. Well, you never know. Entering the Millie Maker, no, he still wouldn't even be close. <laughs> not even close. But we've got a lot to talk about tonight, haven't we? Absolutely, yeah. Jam pack show. Uh, really looking forward to it actually we've had a lot of fan interaction on the social media over the past week um so we've got a lot of questions from listeners really good questions as well thought provoking um will help you with your lineups and your strategies going forward because i'm sure the 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 kind of questions that you'll probably be asking yourself as well um if, if you're thinking about what transfers to make and if i'm bringing this player in does he have long term value Am I just jumping on someone who's hot right now? So those are the kind of things that hopefully will be covered off in, in the questions. But obviously, before we get through to any questions, Mark, we will be reviewing our performance from the most recent week. Um, 
I don't know about you, Mark. I did really well, not so much in the pod team. I think I pretty much stayed where I was, as is, last week on that one. But I did do really well in the Super Sunday Red Zone slate. I finished 28th out of 460 on that. And that was the mid-entry level as well. So, nice cashing weekend there for Nick. Mm. <laughs> I, I, had such a, I had such a frustrating... You talk about the red zone. So I played on dreamsport.com, which is the free version of Fan Team. So anybody can play there. You don't need to deposit. It's all used as a coin system. And I played the um, Super Sunday red zone on Fan Team as well. I played a lineup in the Dreamsport as well. And I won the Dreamsport competition. And um, but it was a lineup which was far better than anything I put into fan team. So I think it, I think it would have won a few hundred pounds if I'd have actually entered it into fan team. But instead, I won like three hundred coins. But um, whilst I'm just quickly talking about that, Dream Sport. Anybody who doesn't know Dream Sport is great if you want to try this stuff out without actually gambling any money or seeing how it works. And Dream Sport's a great way to start. So Dreamsport.com is exactly the same as fan team, just with a different skin on it, really on the website so yeah but yeah in um the actual um pod team i think i'm just slightly dropped slightly down like 20 places from last week at one point i was in the top 30 on sunday in the early games but you know everyone else caught up and overtook me so but still in the money yeah so of course we will review last week's performance i have mine at the ready mark I don't. I hope you are going to give us the right teams this week when we get those up on the screen. But I will go first, just in case. Um, so, how did last week go for me? A mixed bag, really, Mark. If uh, if I'm honest, um, I wasn't expecting a thirteen point seven out of Quez Watkins. So I was no, pleasantly nice, surprised at that. Yeah. That said, I think we've probably got as much as we can from him. I feel like it's like when you squeeze an orange, you get right to the end and there's no more juice coming out of it. I just, other than the fact that he had two receptions for massive yardage, I didn't like everything else that I saw there um, in, in terms of the output, the snap count. He is still down in the pecking order. Um I've no doubt there's a lot of fancy players out there that will be blowing loads of waiver budget on him this week. And I'm sure you've been warned off in other videos and, and pods and articles and stuff like that. But yeah, I think he was the bargain. He's outperformed his price. And I think I'm going to be cutting the card after this week on, on Quez Watkins. Elsewhere, Marquez Calloway in the bin. Hence why there is a bin there over the top of him he will be gone it won't surprise anyone this week that he is not going to be in my week three team everywhere else just fairly steady scoring outside of Kyler Murray who just went off on one again another tour McCaffrey 24.7 that's pretty much what we expect from him week in week out it's disappointing if he's not hitting those kind of numbers at least but Darren Waller CD Lamb Stefan Diggs Steady scoring, if I'm being honest, I'm a little bit disappointed with Darren Waller. That said, for half of the game, he basically wasn't involved, so mainly all of his receptions and his yards came in the second half of the game. Um, Don't know what happened there, whether he was just completely marked out of the game, maybe, but 
I suppose it was a shock for us that Auckland did come out on top from that game and they did run away with it a little bit in the second half as well. Um, it didn't seem that competitive from what I saw on Red Zone. Little bit disappointed with Swift, but I've not brought him in just for one week and he, I think he is still nursing a bit of a knock. Um, so giving him benefit of the doubt, first week in the team, um, I, I'm quite happy to see how things go from there. And going forward, he does have, I wouldn't say favourable fixtures because I don't think there is such thing as a favourable fixture for Detroit in fairness, but the Ravens, the Bears, the Vikings, the Bengals, all teams that, that we've seen can be run on. So, you know, fingers crossed, there is going to be more involvement. And what Swift does give you is he does contribute out of the backfield as well. So there's always going to be some receptions there for him. One thing I was very surprised and pleasantly surprised about, Mark, is that Minnesota defence there getting me a nice 12 points. This just backs up the fact what we've been saying all along. Don't spend money on an expensive defence because you can go and pluck a defence at 9.5 or even 9 some weeks and it's going to give you these kind of scores, not consistently. But that said, if you again look back on the week at what defences scored well, what defences didn't score so well, there's not a massive gulf in the points. And we've said this all along, Mark, haven't we? There's not a big difference week to week. So don't go and spend a fortune on your defence because you can pick up a 9.5 or a 9 that's going to have weeks where it'll give you 12. There's also going to be weeks where it'll give you 3 or 4. But just take those on the chin is my advice. And I know you think the same as well, Mark. No, completely. Yeah, anybody's heard us ever speak before knows how little time and effort we spend thinking about our um, defences. The I did hear an interesting sort of take on defences, though, the other day, listening to another pod, um, that obviously in fantasy, most of your points come from defences through interceptions and sacks. And obviously those interceptions and sacks can turn into touchdowns as well. And therefore, it's good to target teams who pass a lot. And Arizona are a team that pass a lot. And even though they scored a lot of points against Minnesota, that that didn't really matter. You know, it's not it's very hard to pick a team that's gonna hold it's gonna hold the opposition to like a zero or um or under ten points. So uh this idea that you pick defenses which you know are up against teams that play a pass a lot is an interesting thing, which I'm if I've got spare transfers to use over the coming weeks and stuff, I might consider it and think about it and stuff. So, yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, I think looking at... I'm I'm quite happy to stick on Minnesota there, if I'm honest, because their upcoming games, they've got Seattle at home, the Browns at home, the Lions at home, and then the Panthers and the... Well, Panthers on the road, Cowboys at home, Baltimore on the road. So I'm quite happy to stick out there, actually, because there's quite a few home fixtures for them. And... I always think teams tend to play better when they're in their own stadium anyway. So you, you've you've got that behind you. So yeah, I'll, I'll stick there. For me, I, I completely get where you're coming from there, Mark. And it's an interesting concept. And when you actually look at some of the other high scoring defences from this week as well, the Bears, uh, for example, against the Bengals. Now we know Joe Burrow and the Bengals are mainly a, a passing offence. They do use Mixon, of course, but they do tend to throw the ball a lot with Joe Burrow since he's arrived in town. So it doesn't come as a surprise that that defence has scored well this week as well. So 
there could be something to that, Mark. Um, mm. Want to watch the, maybe going forward. The funny thing is, like Buffalo is the highest scoring defense at the moment, but they only got two points week one. They got twenty two points yeah. week two. So, as we said, variable. I think we've talked about defenses enough, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. That's more than enough time. So that is my week two. I currently sit at around two hundred and fifty eighth with that team. I was almost at a point of wildcarding today, Mark, because I do think there is an advantage to doing it at this stage because I think with two weeks of data and stats behind us now, we know some of the emerging cheaper players who have a key role in their offences, some of the injuries that have then brought in some of the cheaper players as well that maybe weren't in thoughts before. And I think what it's what it's sort of firmed up to me is that there is some absolute value in the receivers between 15 and 17 million as much as you're going to get big scores out of your guys that are 18 million plus most weeks there is some absolute value which we will be covering off in the questions as we do go through as well today but I think if I was wildcarding right now that's maybe where I would be targeting Um, not Always going to be sustainable week to week because we know every receiver in the league will have down weeks here and there where someone else will get the targets or based on uh, game script, it might be that a team runs the ball more than they usually would. But I think that if I was wildcarding today, that's definitely where I would be going, targeting those receivers. And I do think McCaffrey, as good as he's been for the first two weeks, I do think you can cover him with other running backs uh, so if I was wildcarding today, I probably wouldn't keep him in my lineup, even though there is an advantage of doing so, because one transfer away from McCaffrey frees up a lot of funds to improve your team elsewhere. And I can't believe I'm going to say this, Mark, before we move on to your team, but if I was wildcarding today, I probably would not keep Darren Waller in my team. Oh. Yeah. I know it'll come as a shock. <laughs> if Darren's watching right now, he'll be falling off his chair. <laughs> <laughs> I think the reason why, Mark, is we've seen two strong weeks out of Gronkowski and I probably wouldn't go there. I'd actually be more tempted to go with TJ Hawkinson, who I know you don't like. <laughs> but from what I've seen through two weeks, he is what I hope Darren Waller will continue to be going forward if I keep Darren Waller in my team. He's basically Detroit's wide receiver one, and I think Detroit are going to be a team where, in most games, they're going to be passing the ball. TJ Hawkinson is going to have a big season, and I know we've been sceptical, but he started well. If I was changing tight end today, I would probably save myself the extra $1.5 million and drop down to Hawkinson, dare I say it, I think he is going to be a top three tight end this season. Well, I don't think saying he's going to be a top three tight end is that much of a reach, just because the tight ends are so bad. So, because I personally think there's only two tight ends you can choose from if you're not going to go you know, down to the bargain basement. But yeah, I mean, it's so interesting you say that. I'm going to save a little surprise for you for later. Because I've done, got a little bit of information about this. Um, yeah, should we just before we get to that, should we just quickly review? Should I review my put my team on the screen and we can Absolutely. review that? Absolutely. Now let's hope that I get the right screen this time. Um, it should be that one. 
Yep. Yes, it's the right one. Okay. So, like you, had a great week from Kyler Murray. I mean, Cooper Cup stands out in this team. Um, he's just... Everybody was kind of sort of tipping Robert Woods as the man to go for and stuff before the season for various reasons, but it just looks like it's just it's Cooper Cup and a another you know every week it feels like at the moment I mean he's just he's just playing he's just he's the focus of that um of that offense you know totally at the moment I mean I mean Daryl Henderson was a bit unlucky he got injured didn't he he was on for a monster day as well. Um, but let's be honest, Eddie, the Rams' offense is looking great so far. I think. Um, yeah, my three running back situation didn't really work out this week. Kamara's looked pretty awful last two weeks, and even though the Saints beat Green Bay in Week One quite convincingly, it wasn't due to massive offensive production, was it? It was, you know, Jameis Winston had what hundred was it, hundred and twenty odd yards or something. And five touchdowns. So it wasn't due to massive offensive production. And there's something's not right there. Now I know this week they had most of their offensive coaches weren't on the um weren't allowed um at the game. But Jameis doesn't look like the Jameis of old at the moment, as in he was a he, a great example of a great fa- fantasy player and a bad real life player. And yeah, there's something not quite right there at the moment. Um Joe Mixon disappointed as well. That whole game disappointed me. I thought that was going to be a bit of a shootout. I had a lot of my lineups, my Super um, Super Sunday Red Zone lineup was definitely focused on them doing well. Um, so, yeah, very disappointing there. McCaffrey, we know, is always going to get 20 points. Ridley sort of turned up with 20 points as well. Uh, I'm not sure, though, about Ridley going forward. It's, as you said, there's so much value at the moment between that 15 and 17. And I, I don't know if you remember, before this season started, when we did our team reveals, that was kind of an area which I kind of, I almost actively avoided. Mm. But, I think I think we both almost avoided yeah. because <laughs> there was so much choice. Yeah. And now it just turns out, have we chose any of them? We'd any, probably been on the right kind yeah. of path. Yeah. <laughs> There's literally any three. You didn't, there was no skill involved in that. It was just, just the pricing thing. Um, obviously, great skill in us avoiding it. Like <laughs> it feels like it feels like the stars and scrubs lineups don't work, and that all balanced lineups aren't going to work. So it's a combination which is working at the moment. That's how it feels. Anyway, Quez Watkins, you talked about. Yeah, I think I like you say I think we cut and run on him. His only actual receptions are really low. I think there's far better options around there. And um, Tyler Conklin has not turned out to be who I hoped he would be as in the wide receiver three for that team. So, yeah, I, I'm 162nd at the moment. I think I dropped about 20 spaces. Um, so, yeah, there's things to do with this team, definitely, um, which we're going to talk about. Absolutely. Before we do move on to our transfers, Mark, I think it's only right that we do inform the listeners that support for the five yard rush daily fantasy sports show is brought to you by manscape the absolute best in men's below the waist grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for those vitally important family jewels manscape just launched their fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 all across europe 
Fantastic tool, Mike. We've said it before on the pod. What listeners should do is go and join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. You will receive 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 5YARD at manscaped.com. That is code 5YARD at the checkout at manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Don't miss out on this opportunity. I mean, just look at it. In all of its glory there, you cannot miss out on this offer. Get yourself over to Manscaped. Did you take those photos? I did. Professional job. <laughs> yeah, no, very can. good. Would you agree? Yeah. Very Thank good. you very much, Mike. Thank you for noticing. No, I did not take those, but very good images and very good product. So get yourself over to manscaped.com. So on to our transfers, Mark, for the week. So I will kick us off on this. And as always, I'm not completely settled just yet because we like to leave it as close as we can to the Thursday deadline, just so we know who's likely to be healthy over the weekend if anything does crop up in training after that, you're just unlucky. But I think important that you do leave it as close as possible to the Thursday deadline because then you, the worst thing you can do in something like this is make your transfer on a Monday or a Tuesday, you know, even a Wednesday for that matter. And then Thursday comes and someone pulls up with a hamstring injury in training. You don't want that. So leave your transfers as late as possible. Give yourself the best chance at succeeding with whatever transfers you do choose to make. So my moves this week, Mark, two receivers getting knocked on the head, one being Quez Watkins and one being Marquez Calloway. Um, Moving Watkins to Williams, there's a couple of reasons why. One, he's quite high ownership, so 40% currently on Williams at the moment, or 41%. He is actually slightly cheaper than Quez Watkins as well. And do you know what? I really like what I'm seeing from him in the first couple of weeks. So week one, he has nine rushing attempts, 65 yards, 7.2 yards per carry with a touchdown, four targets, three receptions. Week two, he sees a slight uptick in his rushing attempts, so 13 attempts, 77 yards, 5.9 yards per carry. So for the season, he's somewhere around the six and a half yard mark per carry, which is fantastic for a running back. Two targets, two receptions, not expecting a great deal there in fairness. But what I am really liking from Tyson Williams thus far is he is involved in 50% of the Vikings snap count and for me if you have a running back at 6 million who is going to touch the ball 10 times that's enough for me that that's a good enabler the reason I prefer that over a Quez Watkins is the only work Quez Watkins is going to get is as a receiver he's going to get targets and through two weeks he's not had a massive target share in Philadelphia And Philadelphia aren't really a team that throw the ball massively. They've got a rushing quarterback. The strength, you would say, is in the running game with Miles Sanders. uh, Miles Sanders, even. So I think, and we've said it before, but Watkins is down the pecking order at about fifth on the depth chart there. Fifth, maybe sixth. And I prefer 
the guaranteed work it seems Tyson Williams is getting week on week. If I can get 10 touches from my running back with a couple of targets and I can get that for 6 million, that's that's the perfect enabler for me. That That is exactly the running back that I'm looking for. Is there a little bit of concern there? Yes, they brought in Latavius Murray. Yes, Devonta Freeman is there. Lev Bell seems to be out. But it we've known that since week one. You know, Latavius Murray, Bell was there week one. I know he wasn't active, but Latavius Murray was there with a couple of rushes. I think he had a touchdown as well, a couple of touchdowns. Devonta Freeman is there. Um, Devonta Freeman hasn't really been playing football that much over the last two seasons. Um, I think the the Ravens just like what they see in Tyson Williams. I think the the fact that he's had an increased workload out of the backfield this past week as well, really promising for me. And when you look at some of his his actual matchups coming up, the Lions on the road, the Broncos on the road is a tough, tough game, to be fair. Good defence there. And then hosting the Colts, well, we've just we just discussed that Daryl Henderson was ripping the Colts up. And we've got the Chargers at home as well. So again, another team that actually running backs are doing really well against this season. Um I think in terms of fantasy points allowed, they're ranked about sixth. So for me, six million, great enabler. Um and forty percent of teams also agree. So Again, I suppose, if anything, I'm sort of keeping up with the grain a little bit there. Rondale Moore, this one I'm a little bit unsure on. Two reasons. I think there's a couple of other options at that price or below that could also be key contributors. A couple that jump out at me, uh, Quintus Cephas at Detroit. Um, I think one of the reasons I don't go with Cephas is I also have Swift and I don't really want two Detroit assets. Um, Another one that jumps out at me is Osborne at Minnesota, and I know that you like him, Mark. I'm going Rondale Moore purely for the upside, I think, here. Um, The only thing that concerns me is when you look at his... when you look at his contributions in the first two weeks... Um, week one, he was only on the field for 20 snaps. Week two, 28. So a slight uptick there in week two. Um, he's only been on the field for around 37% of his team's snaps. That said, really impressive week. Last week, yes, there's the long touchdown there for 77 yards. Um, but eight targets, seven receptions. I could see him, you know, AJ Green's there, Christian Kirk's there. I could see him stepping up into that wide receiver three role on a more consistent basis. He was hyped up going into the season. You know, Kyler Murray's there at quarterback. We don't need to speak any more about Kyler Murray. Maybe this is a target that he really likes. You know, from week one to week two, he's had almost double the the targets, double the receptions, and almost double the yards. So it could just be an anomaly week. He could have just had a really good week this past week. But again, the, the ceiling there, for Rondale Moore is high and I'm willing to just test the waters for a couple of weeks on that because I do have an eye potentially on a wild card in a week or two because um, there are some moving parts in my team that I do want to get rid of just to free up funds and distribute it a little bit more evenly so over the next couple of weeks I'm quite happy to see what Rondale Moore does in this team 
there's not much more justification than that that I can give Mark to be fair. That's pretty good though. The um Cres Watkins, um, spoiler alert, he's coming out of my team as well. I think what surprised me so far with the Eagles is actually a whole receiving calls look pretty good. And Jalen Rager looked pretty good and he was like one, you know, foot out of bounds away from a um, a long touchdown uh at the weekend. And um Devonta Smith looked good and Ertzen got it. They all look good. And Quez Watkins' his only job really is to stretch the field and to make space for them underneath, I think, at the moment. And occasionally they're gonna try the long the long ball to him. But Jalen Hurts isn't known for having a really strong arm, I don't believe. So um so yeah, I think we got lucky this week. Um, in some respects we got unlucky he didn't get into the end zone actually, because I was I was cheering him on. It was like and the guy was catching up. But like, yeah. So um yeah, I think um, the Tyson Williams things, I get it. I just, I suspect in two or three weeks you're going to want to take him out, though. Because I think Latavius Murray will end up taking a bit more of that. But at six million, you don't need, like you say, you don't need to be a work, you know, workhorse, do you? So At six million, are you happy with a running back getting five to ten touches mm. per week? I probably Completely. am, yeah. Yeah, and they're, and they're a great running team, as they've shown. And Baltimore's a great example, isn't it, of... Week one, they looked so bad on offense in so many ways, and then this week they just they were great again. So Lamar looked like Lamar of old. So I think we kept talking about you know small sample sizes, one week, two weeks. It's you know it's it, you can't be definitive or absolute about anything. Um, Laura, let me see if I can be do this right twice. Get my transfers up. So I'm using up. I'm using up three transfers this week. All three of my transfers are being used up. And we'll start with the first one. I'm putting Darren Waller in. So what this came down to is... Falling off my chair. Yeah, what is going on? You, what's really funny is you finally convinced me. And then you're, you've, not, you've unconvinced yourself. But there you go. Um, I still think, although Waller's not... I think he's like the fourth highest scoring... Um, tight end at the moment. I believe it's only him or Kelsey if you're going to pay up, who are going to be consistent over this over the year. Um, Waller, I Kelsey is the most consistent by far, week to week. Um, Waller's going to be a little bit more peaks and troughs. But um, yeah, what it basically came down to for me was Osborne is coming in no matter what. Um, for his price, he is clearly part of that offensive game plan now for the Vikings. He. I know this has been a bit of a curse to fa- to players in the past when I've said this, but he just looks good as well. He doesn't look like like with like so we say with Quest Watkins, you kind of feel you're getting lucky, whereas with Osborne, you don't really feel that. You feel like he's part of their game plan, and I really like that. So he was always coming in. So then, what it came down to was I could choose either Waller and Rondale Moore, as I've got on here, or I could have had Kelsey and Tim Patrick. They were kind of, that was where I was going. And I think Kelsey and Tim Patrick are the, is the consistent choice. You know, Tim Patrick has a really fantastic record going back to the second half of last year and stuff as well. That was, you know, and that was, as we mentioned last week, Jerry Judy's out now. I mean, it was Courtland Sutton who benefited this weekend, but yeah, exactly. And, um, um, but Tim Patrick's still a great option, I think. And I could end up regretting this as, you know, Waller and Moore could be more um, 
bust than boom, but there is I feel there's more upside in this pairing here. Um Rondo Moore, I think, is just gonna get more and more workload. He just he just looks so good on Sunday, I thought, when he had the ball. And I think I think every time he gets the ball in his hands, he's he's got a chance to hit, you know, go all the way. You know, 60, 70. It just and there's not there's not masses of those players around. And Arizona, they play fast paced. You know, I don't know if they are the fastest paced, but they'll definitely be one of the fastest paced teams. And they're exciting on offense. And players like Hopkins haven't they've been good, but they haven't been great so far, have they? Their running game is is kind of Kyler Murray, really. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really optimistic. I'm hoping I'm sure his ownership's gonna go up from the four percent he is at the moment, Rondo Moore, but I'm hoping he doesn't go up as high as he should be because I think he I think this is it. This is the beginning of a good run for him. Yeah. He's got that he's he's almost got that Marquise Brown kind of look to him where he doesn't need a massive amount of receptions, but if he does get a few, you're not surprised if he takes it to the house. That that yeah. kind of big play potential. Indeed, indeed. Um sorry, just laughing at a question we've been asked about Braxton Berrios. Um, so who thought we get questions about Braxton Berry? <laughs> Sean, we'll, we'll come to that later. I promise Absolutely. you. Do you know what? One thing I will say, Sean has watched every show of ours so far. So yeah. much, much love, Sean. Yeah. Um, friend, friend of the show. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Go and give him a follow at FF underscore thinker. He does write for the Fantasy <laughs> Football Hub as well. So go, go and give him a follow. Fantastic content that he puts out. I, yeah, love this, I, love idea, I love this idea that anybody's ever had any thoughts about Braxton Berrios. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I haven't spent much time researching him. Although, really weirdly, he's actually looking pretty good value at the moment. And when I did my sort of optimal team before the season started... He was in uh, your team? He was, he was in my team. Yeah, and was. I was like, well, this is ridiculous. This is That's clearly wrong. And I took <laughs> him out. And actually, he's doing okay, I think. I'm just going to quickly look him up. I think he's doing okay. Yeah, the good good week this past week as well. Sorry, his name, name right up there. Because um, I was shocked myself when yeah. I was looking through the players to um, potentially bring in at receiver. I was shocked to see his name, yeah. I think, on uh, on page two or three uh, as yeah, I was scrolling looked, through. He's got 12 receptions over the two games and consistent scoring for his price as well. Um, so, yeah, it just... It just doesn't feel right, does it? Again, I suppose at 6.5, you're not expecting groundbreaking. You're probably not expecting him to tear up trees along the way. But at 6.5, if he does continue to get consistent work, and I mean, look, looking at his workload, he has had in the past, he's been on the field for 58% of his team snaps this season. So that's not bad going. Um, just coming back to your point about Osborne, Mark, one thing I really like there is, like you said, it, it feels like he's got a role in that team. Um, I did look at him myself. My only concern was in week two, he had almost half the snaps he had in week one. However, when he is on the field, he's clearly being targeted. So when he's on the field, he's clearly part of the plays that are being called or the game plan. So this most recent week against Arizona, um, you know, 66, yeah, 66, wow, 
66 targets wouldn't be bad. Six targets, five receptions. Um, nine targets, seven receptions week one. So firmly in my thoughts, um, I dare say if I wildcard a few of my teams, I think if I was going enabler receiver, I think he would definitely be the one I would go for. More so over Braxton Berrios because he, I, th- I think at this stage, I think KJ Osborne has... I think he has the better quarterback throwing to him, oh, certainly yeah, at this stage. Um, you know, long, long that's term. An, that's an insult to Kirk Cousins yeah. that you've been <laughs> considering it. It's... Long, long term, does Zach Wilson have a better career? That remains to be seen. But at the moment, he's got an established quarterback throwing to him in an offense that's quite varied because you've got Dalvin Cook there, but they do like throwing the ball. And I think in Minnesota's system, there's always been a bit of a role for a third receiver. Um, I know there was a, a lot of talk going into the season that Smith was going to be a, a big thing in, in Minnesota. Kyle Rudolph in past seasons has had, you know, his targets and stuff, especially in, in the red zone. So, you know, I think there's definitely a role there for him. And what, what I've been shocked about a little bit so far is that Justin Jefferson has seemingly been the quieter of the two. Um, Thielen seems to be the the number one there for me. Um, three touchdowns already on the season for Thielen. Yet again, another receiver around that 16, 16.5 region that if I was wildcarding my team right now, he would be in. Um, picking up where he's left off basically every season where he gets those red zone targets. But yeah, really like those moves, Mark. Not, not much to dislike there at all. Um, we're on a similar wavelength, I think, with uh, Rondale Moore. So hopefully, that that does does come to fruition for us in in the weeks to come. I think one thing we've discussed it, Mark, earlier today. But one thing I was really considering was using that wild card. If anyone is contemplating wild carding, I don't think it's a bad time to do it because you've got a couple of weeks of data and you almost don't want to miss the boat on certain players. So every Rams game I watch now, I'm watching Cooper Cup getting the ball and I'm I'm thinking, why is this why is this man not in my team? And if I was wildcarding, I'd be looking at the likes of Cooper Cup. I'd probably keep C D Lamb in my team. I'd be looking at Thielen. I'd be looking at covering McCaffrey with the likes maybe of a Derek Henry and Nick Chubb and A N other. Um I'd either be upgrading to Kelsey or slightly downgrading to Hawkinson, I think. Um, so it's it's almost like I don't want to miss the boat. I think having Kyler Murray from the start has been key. He's, he's the top-scoring quarterback, unless I'm wrong on that. Um, yeah, he is, but he's, he's ahead of Mahomes and Brady. So, yeah, I think it's not a bad time to wildcard, but I would say if you are... Uh, it's, it's very early in the season. We're only week two going into week three. And I think if you can get by with making a couple of transfers this week and a couple of transfers next week and still getting your team to somewhere where you, you like it, then I would maybe hold the wild card until the bye weeks start kicking off. Um, and I suppose as well, you could say that the, there's maybe been some freak results as well. So maybe just give it another week or two and let things settle down, let the dust settle, 
use your wild card then. But if you feel that you're behind the pack and the only way to catch up is to make about four or five moves in your team, I don't think wild carding is a bad idea this week, Mark. No, I think um, there's so many people who've already pre-planned when they're going to do their wild card uh, around, say, after the bye weeks because of all the injuries that will have been by then and stuff. But like you say, getting on these players before they break out or before everybody catches up is a, is a really good thing tactically to allow you to catch up on the field. You know, you need to look at how far you are away from the leader, how many points you need to make up a week, how you're going to do that by playing the same players as, as the leader or anybody else around there, you're not going to catch them up. So, you know, one thing we were playing around with, I played around with earlier and we were discussing just before the show was if you wildcard, if you put in Taylor Heineke, as your quarterback at 8.5 million, you can kind of get anybody. It's you like, almost died as you said that then. <laughs> I know, it's like, I know, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Washington fan, but, and, but from a fantasy point of view, it just seems, it doesn't feel almost real having a quarterback that cheap who can score those sorts of points. And, you know, I don't think, he was, think we've seen the best of him yet. And, you know, we saw in the, the um, playoff game last year against Tampa Bay, he can rush as well and expect his rushing yards to go up and stuff. And there's some great weapons on that offense as well. So, yeah, if you're interested in wildcarding, I would definitely look at if you like your lineup, if you create a Heineke lineup. Now, weirdly enough, we got asked questions about this before last week about Heineke, didn't we? Um, and we were both saying, no, 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 don't play him, don't play him. But I think, I think if you want, if you need to catch up, on people, you know, you're, you're down, you need to catch up. Great way to start if you're going to use a wild card. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Yeah. I think as well, if you have more than one lineup, I think Heineke is a good experiment in a lineup just to see how it goes to go cheaper at quarterback and more expensive throughout the rest of your team because like you said Mark when we've been discussing it before the show the team you can actually put together with a Heineke at quarterback he then becomes your enabler and to have an enabler at quarterback gives you so much depth in the other skill positions so definitely an option Um, but yeah ultimately there's no harm in using wildcard I admittedly will probably be using a wild card on 50% of my teams this week because some of them just aren't where I want them to be. And I think the only way to get them to that point is to now start to target some of those players that I feel are almost essential, if you want to call it that, your likes of Cooper Cup, um, you know, your CD Lambs and, and 
people like that, Adam Thielens. Um, yeah, well, one that's... thing is thing worth mentioning, if you do play a wild card, you can do that now. You don't have to wait till Thursday because any changes you do between now and Thursday are part of your wild card. You know, as long as you make sure it's ticked, you know, that's the issue with wild card. Make sure you tick it. Uh, activate wild card. But yeah, you can play, you can make the changes now. So um, I've actually already done one of my teams with wild card, and now I'm actually thinking about doing another one with that with a high Nicky lineup uh, because you know I just like the look of it so much. So the pod team is is my top team at the moment, and that's transfers we've talked about what I'm going to do. But the other teams need to catch up a little bit. I've got one in the two hundreds and one in the three hundreds, I think, or two or well, they could all be there, and I am. Um, yeah, they need to catch up. So I'm going to definitely be wildcarding two of my four teams. Yeah, this week. I won't read that team out, Sean, that you've put in the in the chat. But just in case you you do want to keep it quiet until the the week the the game week deadline on Thursday. But love that team. And if I was wildcarding Matt, that is, you know, that's not a bad team on the surface. That's no, um well obviously it's got well plays. It's got one obvious enormous error in it, but like um, in Hawkinson, <laughs> but like <laughs> oh, you and TJ Hawkinson. Uh, we'll have to get him on the show, and he can tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> we'll yeah. move on. We'll move on to some Q and A, Matt, because yeah. we've got quite a few questions to yeah, get well, through this. Oh, yes. For us, we've actually got some questions. Yes. Um, if you are watching the stream on YouTube, hit the like button. If you're watching us on Twitter, hit the heart. If you're loving what we do, any questions that you have for next week, we are all ears on the questions. Anything that you guys post over to us on Twitter, on Discord, DMs, sliding into our DMs. We do not mind that at all if you are talking about fan team. Keep it strictly to fan team, though, eh? Um, but, yeah, we will read out any questions week on week. Um, obviously, we're going to have some guests on moving forward as well, so it'll be exciting to hear their thoughts on it as well. But the first question we've got this week from at Menace Fantasy. Who of the enablers might become a mainstay in teams and which are a trap and should be avoided? Now, he has given a couple of examples here. Quez Watkins, Heineke. Um, I'm assuming T. Williams is Tyson Williams and not Tyrell. Um, Elijah Mitchell, KJ Osborne, etc. So, who of the enablers might become a mainstay and which traps are to be avoided? Hmm. I think, I mean, for me, Osborne's a, I think, a main, could be a mainstay. Definitely, Quez Watkins, I've already talked about, might be a, a trap. Um, that's that 49ers backfield. Oh, I wouldn't, I, was, I wouldn't touch it. I was going to say my, my trap would be Mitchell there because I think we've still not seen the best out of Trey Sermon. Jermichael Hasty's always there. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd avoid that backfield like the plague, to be honest, because it could be so variable one week to the next. 
you could get Elijah Mitchell in. He could go off one week and then the week after someone else goes off and you might not hear from Elijah Mitchell for another three or four weeks. So that would be my trap is anyone from the San Francisco backfield. It is a committee of running backs. And if you're not familiar with that, that saying, it basically means that there's no lead back there. They do use several running backs to get the job done. Um, I would not be confident at all in Mitchell going forward. So that would be my trap. I mean, you only have to look at the Eagles game. I know that that was a close game, but nowhere near the workload that he had the week before against Detroit. So be careful of San Francisco running backs. For me, a mainstay enabler, really like Osborne. For me, Mark, as well, I think it's key to actually, what would you define as an enabler? For me, it's anyone really that's sort of below... Below 9 million, I would say, is is an enabler for me. I think if you're going above 9 million, you're actually looking at people that contribute on a weekly basis. You likes of, um, you know, Patrick at Denver. So for me, 9 million and below is where your true enablers lie. Yeah, I think I would have thought, if we did ask this question at the beginning of the season, we probably would have thought enablers were like 7 million and below. But because there's so much value at wide receiver, you know, and, and because it's those mid-price uh, players who've been doing so well I think you could be right I um, I think the other point is in two or three weeks it'll be a different enabler I suspect to who there is now you know or, or also Osborne could just get injured for example he's my choice right now but he could get injured you know Tyson Williams could get injured um, you know very very lightly events so you know not not masses of players who play every game of, of the season. So um, I think it's going to change. I think it's just, it's good. It's good that there's two transfers in this, in this competition each week because that allows you to, you know, to do this for free effectively. Downgrade one player to upgrade another, as it were. So um, I think that really helps. And that flexibility of if you're taking a wide receiver out, you can put a running back in. If you're taking out a running back, you can put a wide receiver in or a tight end. So it gives you flexibility across your lineup that way. You're not doing a like-for-like transfer, for example, which I really like. So I think we're both in agreement, Mark, that avoid the San Francisco backfield. And we both really like the look of KJ Osborne in, in Minnesota. I think if, for me, I still stand by if... Tyson Williams is going to get near 10 touches week on week and he continues to share that workload with Latavius Murray. Um, he's a steal at 6 million. I think we can both yeah. agree on that, but it, it's I just agree. that big question mark if he does get that work, which I hope he does because he's yeah. who I'm planning on bringing in this week. Yeah, No, he looks good. I think I agree. He looks good. At FF underscore thinker, so Sean from the comments, second <laughs> shout out of the show, Sean. Is there any player who is sticking out as essential so far in terms of value? Again, a couple of examples he's listed. Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Rob Gronkowski. Um, for me, Mark, I wouldn't say Rob Gronkowski is essential in terms of value because, yes, he's had a great start to the season. But if he continues on the path that he's currently on, um, he's going to be finishing the season with what would it be? Thirty-four, 34 touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah, um, it, it 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 is not going to happen. So let's rein that in. Um, however, he is good value at twelve point five. I, I would say that's probably fair to say for a tight end position that's quite variable. Um, 
but I certainly wouldn't be classing him as essential. For me, one of the ones that you've listed there, Sean, in Cooper Cup is essential for me at the moment. Um, for obvious reasons, really. He's, he's getting the most targets. He is a massive yards after catch receiver. And he also gets red zone targets as well, which is exactly what you want from a receiver. Yeah, I think um, I like, I'm liking the way Tyler Lockett started as well. I know he's he's obviously had two big games, but it's not just that. It's Again, they don't they haven't seem like a fluke because the way Seattle are on offense at the moment, they're um, really attacking downfield. Um, so I do like Tyler Lockett as well. That's all around that sort of range. I think if I if I'm wild carding, those two are almost definitely in my starting positions. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I know I have mentioned him, Mark, but for Adam Thielen, for me, is on the cusp of becoming essential because he is cheaper than Jefferson. He's getting the same kind of target share as Jefferson. He seems to get more of the red zone looks, um, and one thing we know about Minnesota is they score heavily, but they're almost always in shootouts week on week. They're all, they're always in close games. So there's always a role for the, the, the passing offense there. They're always going to throw the ball. And you've got Adam Thielen, who's done it for seasons now. You've got Justin Jefferson there. I, I think if I was getting one of the two, I'd probably go a little bit cheaper and get Thielen, um, simply because of those red zone looks. And he does seem to be the favoured target for Kirk Cousins at the moment as well. So he's, I wouldn't say he's classed as essential, but he's very close to essential for me at the moment. If I was wildcarding, he'd absolutely be in my team at 16 and a half. What, um, what's crazy though is we can make a case for the Dallas guys, the Tampa Bay guys, because they've been... Um, I know Dallas didn't score masses this last weekend, but they're clearly very fantasy-friendly teams. Um, you know, Tom Brady's been just amazing. Um, the Gronkowski thing is weird though to me because last year, when Gronk was there last year, until the playoffs, he barely caught a catch, he was just in for blocking, wasn't he? And um, and then this season he started on fire and stuff, so yeah, it's I'm like you, I'm reluctant to to pick him as I'm just for me, tight end is either the top two, who in my view are Kelsey and Waller, or just pay down for a Freya Muth or um, somebody else like that. Yep. At check Josh FF. Now, this is Josh yeah. Wooldridge, oh. who was the winner of, was it the Champions League last season, Mark? No, the EPL. I think you want the season-long EPL. That's yeah. the one. So, really appreciate the question, Josh. And again, if you play fan team anything season long, Josh is a really good person to go and follow because he does put out a lot of content, answers a lot of questions, especially around the season long Premier League game and the Champions League game that's recently launched for the group stage. But Josh's question was, I have at least two moves to use on all my teams this week. So it would be good if you could each list your top pick to bring in right now for each position. You can ignore defense special teams if you want. Do not worry about that, Josh. We will absolutely ignore defense special teams. We've already talked about it enough. There's an area <laughs> we're ignoring. Quarterback, Mark. We'll, yeah, start, with, we'll start there. I mean, obviously, a lot of it depends on the money. The obvious, the obvious best player is Kyler Murray if you've got the money for it. Um, I've already mentioned um, 
Heineke if you if you want a real saving. But another guy who I think worth mentioning is Daniel Jones of the Giants at sixteen point five million. He surprised a bit. And I've just looked on the list and I cannot believe Daniel Jones is fourth <laughs> on this list. What is going on? <laughs> I know, and um, I would say most of it was against Washington, but it really isn't. Um, you know. Also, Sterling Shepard is up there as well on the wide receiver list. So, uh, yeah, he's he's. I think he's a good good choice um, if you want to save a little bit of money at, at quarterback. But obviously, Kyler Murray is the, the number one, isn't he? Yeah, I would I would definitely go Kyler Murray as well. Biasy because I do own him and he's he's the number one scoring quarterback. Um, if I wanted to save a little bit of money, a million less gets you Jalen Hurts, who's fifth on the list, um, and Jalen Hurts. Similar to Kyler Murray, probably not as good ball in hand as Kyler Murray, but again, running quarterback, so you're going to get some points scoring both with his arm and with his legs. So I do like that as well. Um, I am shocked at that Daniel Jones thing. I can't mm. get over that. Uh, running back, Mark. Um So it's it's obvious to say people like, you know, Derek Henry. I mean, the thing about Derek Henry is we know he's a great DFS player. He always has been. Uh, but the first week, and even the first two quarters of this week, I thought he looked old and slow. You know, I thought he'd fall off the cliff, and then he just dominated, didn't he? For the next, the next, and you know, I dropped Kamara for my team this week, and I'm thinking about getting Henry in next week for my transfers, maybe. But um, you know, if, if he's going to carry on being Derek Henry, then I think he's a great choice. But one we must talk about. At 11.5 million as a running back is Tony Pollard of Dallas. Is he on fan team? Is the RB12, I think. Um, and he's been doing this, and he's been doing this, he's been sharing um, the field with Ezekiel Elliott. It's no longer, you know, all Zeke. He's been on, he's been on the field with him at the same time, he's been lining up. I think in various positions and um, the reason I like him as opposed to some of the others is there's other players around that price and if you look at the sort of the top you know Cordell Patterson is there just above him and stuff and um, there was somebody else if I'm going to scroll to the right place on my screen um, who I was looking at and I suppose it's like a Tyson Williams thing is Tony Pollard nobody's going to steal his role you know, his role is set. It's fixed. And 11.5 million, I think I think it could be good value. I, you know, he could end up, as his injuries are happening with the um, receivers, like Amari Cooper's looking doubtful possibly for week three now as well. Um, I think he gets more and more play. And I think he, you're not going to have to worry like you have about Tyson Williams's workload being reduced by Latavius Murray. There isn't that person at Dallas. He has his role. Um, Ezekiel Elliott's the number one running back, but he's cutting into those. He's vulturing those touches now. So I think he's a good choice. For me, I am going to stick by something that I said this time last week, Mark. Um, Nick Chubb at 17.5 is the purest running back in the league for me. He is a joy to watch, Nick Chubb. And he's had two really good fantasy weeks now. So he had two rushing touchdowns week one. 
83 rushing yards and a couple of receptions. He had 95 rushing yards week two with a rushing touchdown and a reception. So you're not going to get a lot through the air with Nick Chubb. We know that because that's why Kareem Hunster and that's what his role is in that offense. But when he's got the ball, you're going to get a very efficient running back. And at 17.5, I think he's someone that can be relied on because he's proven season on season when he gets given the ball. The Browns are a team that like to run the football. The, the, that the, that hard-nosed offensive line, you know, almost a dirty team, run the ball hard. But Nick Chubb's a superb running back. He's probably my favourite running back in the league, actually. And looking at their schedule coming up, they've got the Bears at home, the Vikings on the road, and the Chargers on the road as well. That's three teams there that I think he will have success running the ball from what I have seen personally this season so far and what the stats tell us. So at 17.5, Nick Chubb would definitely be the guy I'd be looking at there. If I wanted to look a bit more budget, I would say keep an eye on Daryl Henderson for the Rams, another team that likes running the ball. They like running the ball because that's how they operate play action and the the bootleg offense that Sean McVay runs there. So Keep an eye on Daryl Henderson because if he isn't healthy, then I think Sony Michelle at 10. I know that we were a little bit skeptical going into the season, but having watched the game against Indianapolis at the weekend, when Sony Michelle came on, he was quite comfortably getting over the advantage line every time he had the ball. And he is a hard, hard again, north south running back. He runs hard. I think at 10 million, if you were looking to spread the funds and he becomes the Rams starting running back, essentially. I think that's a good price there as well. Would be my personal pick. Um, Wide receiver then, Mark? We've talked about most of these. Yeah, we've talked about most of these. Um, Sterling Shepard's just somebody I wanted to flag up at 13.5 million. He's benefiting from Daniel Jones's great start. Uh, But you can't really go wrong if you just order, if you just list your wide receivers by Prince order. Just there's so many. It, it's where all the scoring is. I kind of, it's kind of making me think you should have four wide receivers on your team. Um, but there's so many good options and stuff. Um, Especially then. because, Matt, you, you look at the names on the list. Just reading the top point scorers here. So we've got Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Debo Samuel, Adam Thielen, Mike Williams, Amari Cooper, Tyreek Hill, Marquise Brown, Sterling Shepard. DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon Cook, C.D. Lamb, Chris Godwin, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore. You know, the list goes on and on, but most of those names there, bearing maybe Sterling Shepard, Marquise Brown, Mike Williams, are all names that you, maybe even Debo Samuel to a point, but all names that you would expect to see up near the top of that list. Yeah. So it's, it's like, it's not a surprise or shock that they're there and like you said if you had four receivers and you were targeting three of those receivers at that 15 16 million bracket you're not going to go wrong this for me wide receivers a difficult one to pick in terms of top pick at that position because right now if I was to bring someone in I'd be saying well I want cup but I also want Thielen 
And I also want C.D. Lamb. And Tyler Lockett's really caught my eye. And Colin Sutton had a really good game this past week. And you could list receiver after receiver after receiver. They're, they're going to get work. They're going to get targets, especially in number one wide receivers. So if I was to absolutely definitively answer this question, for me, if I was bringing one in right now, it would be Cooper Cup, based on what I've seen. Um if I was bringing someone in who I thought has gone a little bit under the radar but is worthy of a shout, I think Debo Samuel, if he continues with his with his bill of health that he's got this season, seemingly, um, he's been heavily involved in both of San Francisco's games so far. Less so in the most recent one, but um, he still had six receptions for 93 yards. So I think Debo Samuel is a good option at 15, but keep your eye on Cortland Sutton at 15 as well. Yeah, definitely. This is, it's almost like it's hard to go wrong at receiver at the moment. You can actually, I've just been playing with you, you can actually do, do a perfectly acceptable lineup with four of those wide receivers of 15, 16 million. Uh, yeah, there you go. Maybe, um, maybe we save that for a wild card, Pop Mark. Yeah, I'm running out of wild cards. <laughs> <laughs> Couple of questions from member of the Five Yard family, Rich at Dynasty Island on Twitter. Give him a follow. One of the best Dynasty accounts, if not the best Dynasty account that you could follow, in my opinion, Dynasty Island. I might be biased. However, his content is superb and half of it he should probably be charging. Um, Two questions. Which bargain options offer the best value over the next couple of weeks? And which early season performer is most likely to disappoint moving forward? Ooh, the first, the first one, Mark. I think we've, we've. I mean, we've covered yeah, a few. Covered, I think we've covered there, quite a we? few there. Yeah, I think we've already covered them. Really. Um, I know who. I, it's so funny. This question came up next because my person most likely to disappoint is somebody you just mentioned. As somebody you go for, you would choose. Um, Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. interesting. Um, I think the whole of that 49ers offense, from a fantasy point of view, is it's going to be inconsistent, isn't it? It always has been. I don't see why that would change. If Jimmy G is playing pretty well at the moment, but as soon as he doesn't, Trey Lance is coming in. And then, you know, is he going to be as accurate? How's that going to change things up? So I think um, Debo's pretty good price. You know, he's not you're not spending twenty million on him, so it's not the end of the world. But I just don't think he's going to sustain. Continue. He's currently the the receiving yardage leader, I think, in the league. I don't think that's going to last. I'd be well. Everything. Everybody'd be surprised if that ended up being the case at the end of the season, wouldn't we? Um, especially in that offense. So I think he's he's one, and I think we've already touched on Gronk as well. Um, I just don't. I just don't know what his role is good. I don't know how if his role is going to be consistent. Now, maybe after week eight, if he's got sixteen touchdowns, we can uh, we'll reevaluate that. But just the history after last year, the way Gronk was in that offense, I just I, I think he's had a great start. But I suspect it will teams will start um, um, game planning for him more than they were as well near the red zone and stuff. So yeah, I think Gronk would be mine actually, Mark. Um... I think he'll 
he's had two really good weeks, but I think he will have up and down weeks. And the difficult thing with the Tampa Bay offense is the strength of the offense is, of course, Tom Brady and, and the receivers there. So you saw Mike, Willi- Mike Williams, Mike Evans absolutely stink the place up in week one, but then comes back in week two with a couple of scores. So it, it's that kind of it, it, that kind of offense where week to week it's gonna be it's it's gonna be variable in terms of you'll see really peak performances from Godwin, you'll see really peak performances from Antonio Brown. You know, the it may be that OJ Howard becomes a factor at some point in the offense coming off that big injury. So really the, there's there's five or six mouths to feed when you start factoring in the running backs as well in the backfield. So I think Gronk would probably be my one to watch going forward in terms of disappointment. I I still think he has a role, still think he'll have his targets, and I still think he'll have his red zone targets. But I don't think he'll be I mean he's he's the second highest scoring tight end at the moment and he's just behind Travis Kelsey. I don't think he'll be there come the end of the season. And if you're bringing him in to be that, I think that's where you'll be disappointed. Yeah, definitely. And also, remember, he's got those points already. So if you bring him in now, you're almost definitely going to end up with less points than bringing in somebody else. Yeah, definitely. At Darkish Jungle on Twitter says, what stats do you use to determine players' value and which sites do you use? Or is it all by your eye test? Similarly... How do you determine how a match will do in terms of passing or rushing? A couple of good questions mm. there, Mac. Well, we could do a whole show on this, I think, this particular subject. But um, me, I'm, I'm not actually that focused on stats at all. Um, and actually, it's not even that I, it's how I look at players because this game isn't a game. We're, not, we're all playing against each other. We're not playing against the NFL. So I'm more interested in whoever else is picking and how I take advantage of that. That's how I generally play DFS. Um, I just I see the NFL as the scoring system for this game rather than, you know, that's why. So I'm not interested. I'm not particularly interested in stats. Now, we do use stats on these shows and stuff um, to try and just to make a point. Now, obviously, I'm not I don't want to pick a player who doesn't end up on the field, you know. <laughs> um, so, you know, I do check out things like Snap. Um, snap counts and stuff, which I like. I use football guys for, um, but um, yeah, I'm not massively into stats particularly. Yeah, hey, like you just said, Matt, f- football guys, um, lineups.com, you know, good sites for snap counts, very important because you've got to remember a player can have an outlandishly good week, but it could be a good week off the back of three receptions and it could be completely out of the ordinary or a low snap count. Um, I think that's worth checking. Um, I like using pro football reference personally to see how defences are stacking up against quarterbacks, tight ends, wide receivers, running backs. But I think it comes in handy more with week-to-week DFS that rather than a season-long. Um that said, if you play in weekly DFS, you tend to find that if a team is poor against running backs and a team has good running backs, that that will reflect in the pricing. So you're not going to find someone like a Nick Chubb at 5,000, for example. So, I mean, in terms of the season long, 
I do look at the run of games that players have when I do bring them into my team because what I'm looking at is if I bring a wide receiver in, do they have easy matchups or tough matchups? So if I was, just as an example off the top of my head, if I was bringing in an Adam Thielen, for example, and there's certain players like Adam Thielen that are almost immune to this because he's he's going to get targets either way. Um, that said, if Minnesota had a run of games against Jacksonville, uh, Houston maybe, um, you know, t- teams like that, New York Jets, I'd be looking at those games and thinking, is Dalvin Cook going to get a big workload because Minnesota are likely to be leading in those games? So are then likely to be running the clock down. Um, there might be teams with poor rush defences. So those are the kinds of things that I'd be looking at. And I don't tend to look beyond maybe a three or four game stretch because at the end of the day, this isn't a 38-game season. So... I'm only looking really at three or four games because beyond that, I'm probably moving that player on for someone else. That's why the transfers are so handy in this format. But I think if you've got, again, the likes of Minnesota and they've got some tough matchups, I'd be maybe thinking, well, that could be a shootout. And for them to stay in that game, Kirk Cousins is going to have to throw the ball. So if they're coming up against the Tampa Bay, they're coming up against an LA Rams, for example... I'm likely looking at that thinking they're going to have to throw the ball and that ball has to go somewhere. So the likelihood is players like Adam Thielen in those scenarios, I'd be looking at thinking, you know, there's, there's a chance, yes, he's up against a good defence, but there's a chance he's, he's going to get a big workload there because they're going to have to throw the ball. So it's things like that I'm considering. It is, you know, it, it's that game script. It's how you think teams will do over a run of fixtures and where you think you can capitalise then on the player that you bring in. But it's a very variable sport. You've got to be mindful that game script might not go the way you expect it to. Usually doesn't. It usually doesn't. Usually We've doesn't. seen that. It really it usually doesn't. We've seen that. I think the most important stat um, on this game in particular, as the season goes on, will just be the ownership percentage. Because... To use a really stupid example, if you need to catch up or you want to overtake the field and literally everybody else has Derrick Henry, then there's no point you playing Derrick Henry because you will never catch them up, those people. So that's just a really stupid example, extreme example. But so I think that will become the most important thing. And especially for teams at the top, that will be part of the um, – that will be part of it because, as you say, unless you're in the room with the coaches who are putting in the game plans and stuff, nobody really knows what's going to happen. You know, we look, just look at what's happened this week. Aaron Jones and Derek Henry looked awful in week one. And then they, they're the two top scorers this week, weeks, you know, week two. And, um, and you had Ty, uh, Tyreek Hill, massive score week one, nothing week two. Why, who, why would you predict that this week he would have got nothing, you know, only five points or whatever? Why would you, you predict that Aaron Jones this week got four touchdowns, you know? There's nothing in any, there's nothing in any stats that can tell you that it's a, to any degree. So um, so yeah, I think um, yeah, I think ownership is going to be the most important thing as the season goes on. Yeah, a few more questions to round us off, Mike. So we've got at ja under ninety three on Twitter sent over just a question for the pod. I've started with Darren Waller at tight end. Do you think he's a great option? 
Um, or do think he's a great option, should I say. But do you think with enablers that are emerging, the money save could be used for a set and forget Kelsey, who is more consistent on a weekly basis? So basically, the question is here, Darren Waller is in the lineup at the moment. Do we think the upgrade is worthwhile to Kelsey or would you downgrade and go for value at the position with some of the emergencies we've seen? I'd, I'd, I'd call Waller set and forget though, as well as Kelsey personally. I think, I think, I think Waller will have more peaks and troughs over the season. Um, but unless you're, unless, unless you can somehow you've, you've got that, um, that sports almanac from back to the future, how are you going to know which weeks, to you know that Waller's going to be in his troughs, and you take him out and you put him back in for the peaks and stuff. So, you know, I think they're both set and forget. I think they're the only two. I've said that gosh about three times. I think tonight they're the only set and forget tight ends. I think. I think, yeah, I think with Darren Waller, um, what you've got to be mindful of as well is he's, he's come up against two tough defenses in week one and two. He's come up against Baltimore, and he's come up against Pittsburgh. That that's two of arguably the best defenses in the league. So, I think me personally, is the jump worth it to to spend two and a half million to get to Travis Kelsey? I think at this stage, if you've got Darren Waller, no. I think if you were wild carding and you had a value option at tight end and you wanted to make the jump, you could maybe make the case then. For Travis Kelsey over Waller, but I don't think it's that strong of a case because I don't think, from what we've seen, that over the course of the season there'll be that much of a difference in the points scored that it will justify an extra two and a half million spending at the position. There's only 11 and a half points between them at the moment, and like I said, we you know, Darren Waller's had two tough games there. Um, when you look at the snap count, Darren Wall has actually had the most on-field snaps for a tight end with 150, uh, 142. Uh, and he's on the field for 93.5% of his team's snaps. We've said it from the start, Mark. He's the wide receiver one in Las Vegas. He's a wide receiver playing tight end for me. that That's the athleticism we're talking about. We know we like our athletic tight ends. Um but yeah, for me, I would stick with Waller, James, in all honesty. I wouldn't make the jump to Kelsey. Yes, Kelsey is the reliable set and forget. Yes, you're probably going to get more consistent weeks out of Kelsey than you would out of Darren Waller because he's in the Kansas City offense. It's basically Mahomes, Kelsey and Hill. But I would still be inclined to just stick with what you've got there. Um, in terms of Maybe looking at enablers again. I think I think if you've got a Waller and you want consistency from the position, don't look at an enabler. Stick with Waller. Would be my answer. Indeed. I think Waller's actually got the most targets at the tight end position. I think I saw that today, and he's got the most in the red zone as well, or when zone targets. Something like five, and everybody else has got three or something like that. So, yeah, I just if you've got already got Waller in your team. The case to change up to Kelsey, it'd be quite hard to make a case, to be honest. Especially at this stage of the season. You know, maybe in a couple of weeks' time or a few more weeks' time, maybe things will be different. But. Yeah. 
while we're on the subject of Darren Waller, at Jack Humphrey KM says, why do you love Darren Waller so much? <laughs> <laughs> Refer back to the last five minutes, yeah, yeah. Jack, on that. Yeah. Um, it's um, For me, it's one word, five syllables, and that is opportunity. Um, that is exactly why... Oh, you can't, Mark. I reckon yeah, okay. that was five. That's right, yeah. Okay, we'll go yeah. with that. Did my research on that, don't you worry? <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's opportunity for me. Um, we, we've we've covered every major stat you'd want to see: snap count, targets, opportunity in his offense, um, lack of depth at receiver. I love. Do I love Darren Waller? Yeah, I do. I think he's a great tight end. Um, I've said it since the start of the season. He's been in my lineup since the start of the season. Yes, I've spoke on the pod about moving him to TJ Hawkinson. If I was wanting to free up a little bit of budget in my lineup, it's a move I would be willing to make because I think Hawkinson is going to have a big season and he seems to be the Darren Waller in the Detroit offense. Um, But there's not a lot to not like, I don't think, with Darren Waller, Mark. I think you've sort of warmed to the idea of Darren Waller as well. I'm just looking... The way the season's gone so far in the first two games, and looking at the position, and just thinking about the game of of the you know DFS etc., I think I say it's Kelsey and Waller is the only option really. I think with everything else, there's an opportunity cost, and um, yeah, but yeah, I think that he was aimed at you that question because you're the one who always goes on about how much you love it. I'm like, certainly uh, wasn't aimed at you, was yeah, it? Yeah, definitely wasn't. <laughs> but like, funnily enough, I'm like king of the fan club this week, so. We'll see. It'll, have, it'll, it'll do awful this weekend and then I'll be back to normal. Yeah. Final question has come from Edgar Gonzalez on the chat. Thinking I should trade Terry McLaurin for David Montgomery. Um, I am thinking, Edgar, that you should not do that and you should stick with Terry McLaurin would be my personal opinion on the matter. Yeah. Mark, care to elaborate? No. That's not a fan team question, is it? <laughs> Trading. <laughs> No, um, no. I'd, I'd stick with Terry McLaurin every day. Yeah, I think what you're seeing from McLaurin is um, he. W- the danger that we've always had with McLaurin is is that he's he's never really had a good quarterback throwing to him. I mean, no disrespect there, Matt, because I know you are a Washingtons fan. Um, oh, well, but, we know. Yeah, he's he's not had a quality quarterback slinging him the ball but he still puts up numbers every single week um he's almost becoming shall we say quarterback proof um and fixture proof for that matter because he's doing it against every team he comes up against so i think for me stick with stick with terry mclaurin Receivers tend to score more in this format. He's on 37.9 points. Um, I don't have Montgomery's score, but he's not on the first page, which suggests, I mean, that tells you all you need to know. David Montgomery's not on the first page. He's also not on the second page, I don't think, either. So no, he's stick with... he's 29.7 he's got. Ah, right. He's, well, he's at the bottom, go. 29. There we go. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, David Montgomery, though. Yeah, 29.7. Stick with McLaurin. Um, I think David Montgomery is a good running back to get for a spell of games. If you were going to have him for a spell, I think now is that spell 
um, where he's away at the Browns, home to the Lions, on the road to the Raiders, home to the Packers. Um, we saw last season with David Montgomery that when he has a good run of games against teams that allow points against running backs, he is effective. Um, behind Alan Robinson, you would say he's the second best player potentially on that offense. So yes, he, he could have a, a good role, but I don't, I wouldn't be sacrificing McLaurin for him in a nutshell. Definitely not. The upside is there with McLaurin, isn't it? Yeah, especially over the whole season. Yeah, we have had a question coming from Luwalua Fee. Um, who are the best enablers? Listen back to the feed, <laughs> listen to the pod. When it goes out, we have covered enablers more than enough. If you are late to the party there, I do apologise, but we have covered it off in more than enough detail throughout the pod. So listen back to the feed, listen to the pod when it goes live, which will be either, I think it's early on Thursday, Mark, for anyone yeah, normally who's not watching the video yeah. yet. Yeah. Early on Thursday, in enough time for you to get your ears around some great content um, around the fan team contest season long NFL before the deadline on Thursday evening. Um, nothing much for me to add, Mark. This has been a really good show. We've had some great questions there. So if there is any more questions that you do have, fire us over those questions on Twitter. Feel free to slide into those DMs at Nick of Wigan for me and for you, Mark. Um, at underscore SMRF. Before we go, though, Nick, oh. before we go, we've got yes. one more thing we haven't mentioned. We have. It's weird that me stopping you made you, reminded you as well. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I had it up here and I thought, yeah, don't forget. Yeah. Um, I almost don't want to say too much about this, Mark, because I want to drop little... Little tidbits week on week. But what I will say for the listeners, especially those who are playing the weekend, the Sunday red zone and the uh, Sunday fumble, which I think is the late one. Um, For people that are playing those contests week on week, there is some exciting news coming. Game week five, I believe, Mark. Keep your eyes peeled. That's all I'm going to say for the time being. (laughs) There is going to be more to come, but I just wanted to drop a little teaser bomb in there for the listeners. If you do play Fan Team Weekly, keep your eyes peeled for Game Week 5. Some really exciting news coming for one of the contests. That's all I'm going to say about that. That's so unfair. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to sign this off, Mark, Mm. with another great one-liner from our man Pitsy. This Ooh. is potentially worse than last week, as a matter of fact. Did did we offend him? Is that why he's come back with another one? He loved it. He loved he loved seeing me squirm on the feed. Um, he loved the cheesiness of it. He didn't expect it to be read out, but maybe this is how we'll sign the pods off. Every week we'll sign it off with words of wisdom from Pitsy. Until next week, Rush Nation listeners, don't forget to tweak your lineups we'll see you next Tuesday
redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 